DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk college football with our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, there's a little lull now before the bowl game starts, and it's being filled by NFL News. Jordan Love to the NFL, and I'm going to think that you are surprised not at all by this news. Uh, not not really surprised. I think I, I guess what I'm surprised about is after the year that he had, that he still has, you know, super high stock, and a lot of people still talking about him like late first round, second round type draft pick. And uh, you know, I guess I guess the best thing that happened to Jordan Love is Josh Allen, who's who's playing somewhat good football with the Bills right now. They're nine and three, and he's performing at a high level. But I just thought that this year was was a drop-off that's worth considering that what's going on. I, I thought he would slide a lot further. And so when it came to his option to the NFL, I didn't think it would be as high as it is. And it, it feels like it stayed high. Um, and if, and if, if, if that's the case, and if he's going to get drafted as high as, you know, some people are saying he is, then – then I probably would have made the exact same decision as he did. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that. Now, as far as the Aggies, if I'm Gary Anderson, there's no way I start and play him in the bowl game. What's the point? Boy, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I, nah, I think. Well, okay, here's here's where I would maybe disagree with it. At this point, there was rumors that he was going to transfer to another school that he was going to be a graduate transfer and he was going to go. He made the decision to go to the NFL. Um, if, if this was a senior that was going to the NFL, would you not play him in the bowl game? I mean, I, I, I feel like you still play him in the bowl game. And he, he kind of, in some ways, did Utah State a solid in the sense that he didn't transfer to another school indicating that, like, you, you can't play quarterback at Utah State and make it to the NFL. And so, in some ways, that – that helps the program and you kind of, you give him the last game and you just say, Hey, thanks for the send off. And, and thanks for all you did here. You had a great year two years ago. This year has been a head scratcher, but we appreciate you. Yeah, and well, we'll if, talk to you. If that's an issue, you can't play quarterback in the NFL through Utah state. Then you just put a giant mural up of Eric Hipple. <laughs> I know, but, but Eric Hipple, <laughs> Eric Hipple was like when I was a kid, I don't and, care. And, still Utah well, State, still the NFL. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know You, you have an Eric Kippel bobblehead night then. You can talk about Bob Cagliano <laughs> and you can talk about touchdown Tony Adams at Utah State. And we we can go down the list of NFL guys that nobody's heard of. Right? Eric Hippel? Or, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Eric Hippel took one of the nastiest hits I've ever seen from that nineteen eighty five Chicago Bears team. And he so stood up for it, right? And he's still know, going and strong. I, and I and I have a I lot of respect for him, but when it comes to recruiting today, there's not very many people that, that they're out recruiting that are like, oh yeah, Eric Hipple, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll come to Utah State. <laughs> All right, I still would try to work in my man Henry either way, get him some more experience because it looks that, like he's going to be your guy for next season. I would agree with that, and everything that I've heard about Henry is that he's been solid he's been a good attitude he's improved while he's been there and i don't think utah state's in bad hands going forward in fact i was 
I mean, I was kind of surprised he didn't play a little bit more this year um, as much as Jordan Love struggled. But I think I think there was all kinds of issues going on there as far as uh, what to do with Jordan Love. Because, I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. The, the play on the field was was not acceptable at the quarterback position this year. And um, that's, that's not me trying to rip Jordan Love, but that was that was not a high enough level of performance for what Utah State expects now. And so I think going forward, I think that situation will be handled differently. Uh, there's no question about it because I, I just could not have predicted. It, as so, so as crazy as it was to watch Tyler Huntley go from a pretty solid quarterback to really, really efficient this year. It was equally surprising to me this year that Jordan Love fell off the ledge as far as he did this year. But that's how that's how different of a season it was that I thought Jordan Love was going to have. How, how much change will that lead to on the offensive coaching staff? Because obviously you can switch coaches out. You can also change up duties. Sometimes you see coaches combine the quarterback coaching job with the coordinator. Sometimes you can see it split up. So there are multiple choices Gary Anderson's facing here. Or how much of it's just on the player and everything's the same going forward with the new quarterback next year? Well, I think I think if you listen carefully to what, what Gary has said during the season, there, there's been a couple times he's been calling out the players. And then I think if you listen closely, he's been calling out some coaches. It would not surprise me if there is some change. Um, but I think if I was the offensive coordinator at Utah State, I could make the – I could make the argument like, hey, you wanted me to come in and run the exact same offense as what they were running before, same tempo and all those kind of things. And that's not really my style. I tried to adjust to him. He didn't really play well. And then, you know, my argument as an offensive coordinator is like, hey, let me run it my way this year before you make a, a total judgment on what I'm doing as an offensive coordinator. Because, you asked me to do a lot of things that were like outside my comfort zone in order to make it comfortable for the players, and it didn't work. How about we make me inside my comfort zone and see if the players don't play well? So my guess is, and the style that I've seen uh, from this particular offensive coordinator in the past has been, yes, sometimes he plays up-tempo, sometimes he slows it down. He's more like a, um, you know, if, if you were to make a pitching analogy, like he's got, a fastball and a slider, and then he's got a great changeup as far as his pacing goes. And I think that's what he likes to do. He doesn't like to just go fastball, 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 and go as quick as he can. And I think I think that'll that'll help him to settle into what what he wants to do. And I think you'll see the offense play a little bit better under Sanford in the second year. Yeah, I, I can buy all that. We'll see what happens there. Uh, how stunned were you that the Utes just got beat up? Could could not have seen that coming. I I think I maybe could have seen that coming or predicted it on the offensive side of the ball because I think there's been struggles with the offensive line from time to time. And I think that's not that's not me being totally critical of the offensive line. They've been they've been pretty solid all year, and I think they played way better than I thought they were going to play. But there were times during the year where Moss made up for mistakes where he'd break a tackle or he'd make somebody miss and then turn it into a great play when there was no hole there. I just, I think what was surprising to me is they did not get out physical in any game this year that I watched, um, especially on the defensive line. The defensive line was just solid. Um, 
but and then watching I, I watched three specific games with Oregon and I didn't I didn't watch the game and go, Man, these guys are incredibly physical and they're just gonna be able to manhandle the Utes the way that they did. I mean the defensive line when they when they showed that play where the offensive lineman for Oregon uh, pancaked Lucky, you know, uh, I want to say Lucky Fotu. Yeah. Um, that that wasn't the only time during the game where the offensive line for Oregon was just dominant, and I and I think from the very get go in the game they sent a message physically where they ran a zone play where. All their offensive linemen went to the left. They had a wide receiver come to the right and block a defensive end or linebacker. I can't remember. And he just absolutely blocked that linebacker. It was a wide receiver on a linebacker, and they they scooted up underneath it for like a 14-yard run. I went, ooh, the Oregon's ready to play. And I thought because Utah had had a couple of slow starts during the year where maybe a team gets a touchdown early, I thought, okay, Utah's going to settle into this, and they're going to be able to make some adjustments, um, and they're going to be able to come back. But it just never came. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of a push in the second half, and then when they scored that touchdown to go up thirty to fourteen or whatever it was, kind of broke the back. But I could not have predicted that the of all things, the offensive and the defensive line would be handled the way that they were. And I was just, I was so surprised. I think the other reason why I was surprised is because it's a senior laden group. This is, these are these are guys that are seasoned that have been in this game before that have been in tough games they've been in physical games and played well I, it was just the whole night was a head scratcher in fact I'm not I'm not a Utah fan right but like the whole weekend I kind of just laid there going how did that I need to watch that game again because how did this happen because I did not see it coming at all. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Riley, you uh, you run the Mountain West Elite Camps, and so you get to interact with a lot of college coaches, sometimes here in Utah, sometimes on their campuses when you're traveling. Uh, is Utah coming off a really big year, going to have a really good recruiting year? Are they going to do better in-state, keeping more of the best players here? Uh, are there some players that you still think are really up in the air here, and you're curious about where they're going to go? Yeah, so uh, I I do think that this year is 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 kind of a banner year for recruiting. I think they're going to be in a lot more doors. I think just the fact that Van Fillinger from Corner Canyon decommitted from Texas, and then you see Morgan Scally and Kyle Winningham in his home on Sunday night, I think that points positively to some of the things that are going on. Um, I think when you when you look around and you look at the at the options, most of the kids here in state that go out of state, and I know that there's there's a few exceptions that have gone to Alabama, and some have gone to LSU, and some different places. But for the most part, if if Utah loses them, they lose them to another Pac-12 team. And I think that you're going to see that that the clamp kind of come down just a little bit for the Utes, where they're going to keep a few more. They they still. You know, like the the Noah Sewell kid out of Orem is going to Oregon. They, they still didn't they still didn't land him. But if they if they flip Van Fillinger and if there's some different guys that, that they can kind of start keeping, I, it's it's going to be tough if they're able to keep all the guys that they want in state and 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 not lose them to a Pac-12 team. And so personally, 
I just think that the way Andy Ludwig coached offensively, too, it's going to help with wide receivers and quarterbacks. Because even though there wasn't, like, ginormous stats from Tyler Huntley this year, and he'll throw for 3,000 yards, and, you know, he'll have a great touchdown-interception ratio, it was it was a fun and exciting offense to watch in the, in the sense that if you're a quarterback in this offense, there was guys wide open all over the place. And as good as Tyler Huntley was this year, there were times where the blitz came and there was a drag route runner across the middle wide open and he would miss it. So I think there's even room for a quarterback to come in and play in this offense and have even more productive season than Tyler had this year, if that's if that's even possible, but I, I'm talking about as far as numbers and touchdowns go, because I think, I think as good as Tyler was, he missed some things this year. And I think, you know, you, you, you've got the transfer coming in from South Carolina. They're high on rising the sophomore, you know, you've got Shelly, you've got young quarterbacks. I think the key for the youth this year to me is, is, I know everybody always says, oh, well, they just reload on defense. They reload on defense. But they're losing a lot of guys to the NFL this year. There's a, there's a significant number this year on that defensive team that are going to play in the NFL. So I think you're going to take a little bit of a step backwards defensively. But if you can get a quarterback in here like this Bentley kid from South Carolina or you can get a little bit more production out of the offense to kind of kind of like – cover this next year then i think the youths you know really start like kind of gathering some of their recruits getting some of their recruits in and playing in the system not maybe not next year but the year after and and i think all of a sudden you start to see utah really making a run at this conference so you speak of if they can keep the guys in state and get the guys that really want not leave that will never happen they will not get all the guys they want from in-state. Every year, somebody will leave, if not multiples. Well, okay, so so not all of them, but if I, I there's there's a lot of guys that leave the state right now that they didn't necessarily really want, right? Did they like, not really want, or they know they weren't going to get them, so save face. Well, I, I I think there's some that they don't. There's some. There's no question. There's some where you save face, but there are some. For example. You know, you're way deep at offensive line right now, and it's not really a point of emphasis in your recruiting. Unless that guy's all-world here in state, they're not going to really go after him. They'll, they'll keep it warm, and they'll say, hey, we're recruiting you, just to make it so that, like, you know, the locals aren't mad that you're not giving this local kid some love. But if you let, – let's just say, for example, you've got 15 offensive linemen – and you've got six or seven guys that you feel are really, really good and can start for you. You're stacked at offensive line, right? You don't need to add another one in that year. And it just happens to be that there's some years where you don't need offensive linemen, and there's some years where you don't need as many defensive linemen. Unless they're all world, they're not going to go after them. So that kid might slip and and go to Stanford or UCLA or USC that year because they just don't feel like they need him. Now, there's other guys where it's going to be your saving face, no question. But there are some kids that have gone out of state or to other schools that Utah legitimately just didn't feel like they needed. And that doesn't mean they aren't really good football players. It just means that Utah felt like they had some. And then there's other guys that they kind of like, they'll end up backing off and going, well, we didn't really need him, but they, they really wanted him, 
right? Like, there's no question they would want the J. Tufele kid that's playing yeah, for USC right now. Like, it would have been, it would have been great to have him, right? But I do think that there's a few kids that are at some of those schools where they're just like, oh, I, I mean, USC could have him. Yeah, Tufele is yeah. an excellent example though because they are stacked at defensive line. But they should have Tufele. He's a kid from right down the street. He belongs here. You missed on him. Yeah, I I think so. And but he, but he's the type of kid that regardless of where you are in depth at defensive line, like you want Jay Tufele. Like the, yeah, and I don't think I, you know I don't know what the youths have said about that. I, I mean I I don't feel like they've said much at all. But I think if you really had to break down the Utah coaches and you really had an honest conversation, they'd be like, yeah, we tried as hard as we could, but. That kid just felt like he wanted to go out of state. He wanted to go to, you know, a different school. And that's what, I mean, that's okay. Like you said, you're not going to get all of them. But if they can, if, if they can land every other J2 fellow that comes through the state because they're playing really good football and the kid gets a chance to be a hometown hero, then they're in a good spot. I mean, it's not like Lecky Foto didn't make, didn't have a ton of offers coming out of high school. Um, that kid, that kid was a man child too. And they kept him here. So there's, 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 there's wins and misses, you know, there's wins and losses with them. And, and sometimes you're going to want to hide it, but sometimes you, you legitimately just didn't, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, man, I just, I don't see what everybody's recruiting him for. And, and that's up to them. I will say this about the youths. I do think that they're in more doors than they've ever been in. And I do think that they do a great job. One of the things that I watch with college football that I think is important is from year to year, how much better does a guy get, right? And I do feel like players at the University of Utah develop and they get better. I think there's other schools that I watch and I watch closely that I'm like, that guy's still kind of the same player he was as a freshman. He's not improved. And to me, that's that's the indicator of good coaching is are they developing within the program? Because every kid that comes into your school is – is probably the best or the second best player on his high school team. I mean, they're they're all good players, but they have to grow to be able to advance and really help you on the college level. So, to your point about this class, and we'll use twenty four seven sports because I'm looking at it right now. Let's mm-hmm. assume the Utes will be getting at least three and maybe five of the top seven recruits, depending on Xavier Carlton at Juan Diego and Van Fillinger at Corner Canyon. If they get those two, then it's five of the top seven. They lose Sewell. And then, oddly, Mason Falslev, who's a very good football player, isn't going to play football. That's unusual. That doesn't happen most years, but he's going to go to the U and play basketball. But after that, UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, all taking kids out of Utah. Scotty Edwards at Olympus. I don't know how much you know about some of these guys from your coaching in your camps, but Scotty Edwards at Olympus might be headed to Stanford. Roderick Tialavea. Uh, at Highland, at Highland to Washington State, he's a six-five offensive tackle. Nicholas Session at East, a safety to Oregon State, and uh, Ilani Ross from Sky Ridge to UCLA. So, all, do any of those guys all, jump out at you as guys that Utah should be getting that they're not getting? Everybody they want some or all of those guys. Um, they don't. They don't necessarily jump out as guys that Utah's missing on to be. Uh, Scotty Edwards has been offered by BYU and Stanford. Super intelligent kid, really, really, really good defensive back. He reminds me of a guy um, like like Morgan Scally coming out of high school. He reminds me of, you know, maybe not Eric Weddle, but like a Steve Tate type player. 
coming out, and he's a really, really good football player. <clears throat> and I, I kind of think Stanford's going to wrap him up just because of his grades. Um, I know his dad really well. His dad's a Harvard. He's a Harvard grad. So I'm sure that the Stanford offer is, is probably really lingering out there as like a really good offer for him. And that might have been a place that he would have gone even if Utah offered him. But I don't – I mean, I don't think Utah's looking at it like, oh, man, if we just could have had Scotty Edwards. I think they would have loved to have him because he's a great character kid. He's a, he's a Chase Hansen. He's a – you know, he's – He's one of those leaders that have been on the team at the University of Utah over the years that would be great for the program. But I, I think, I think I, when you're going down that list, you know they're going to close four to five out of the top seven. I mean, they're getting a lot of them. And you know the other ones that you're talking about, I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're dying to figure out how to do it. You're dying to have that kid come to their school. They're like. Yeah, he's a great kid, and we'd love to have him in our program. But if he goes somewhere else, um, there's there's guys that we have that are great right now. Yeah, I believe that completely. I think that's going to happen every year. I think two things are going to happen every year. There's going to be kids that are going to leave that they didn't really want because they went to Texas or California or Arizona or wherever and got kids who were better. And that's what matters the most. The, the, we don't really care. The fans don't care where they come from as long as they get players who are better than those kids who leave. Now, that's always going to happen. But I also think on the flip side, there are, every year there's going to be kids that they want that they don't get from in-state. So you got both things yeah. happening. And no matter how they spin it, right. those things will happen every single year. The kids will leave that they don't really care. Kids who there's leave that they no, really care about. There's no question that Noah Sewell going to Oregon, they really, really, really wanted him. And there's no question that they really, really want Van Schillinger. Right, and they got lucky that they they fired the defensive coordinator, so now this kid is available, and and at least one Corner Canyon coach is pushing hard for Utah for obvious reasons, and I think they're going to get him. So in a sense, they lost him, but then they got lucky, and then they end up getting him. Well, I, I mean, I guess I guess you call it lucky, but but you also have to look at it that University of Utah had a lot better season than Texas did this year. No, but and the kid's still committed to Texas, even with that knowledge. No, no, he was committed to Texas, but then after the season kind of develops, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, man, I could stay right here in my backyard. No, I, I think chance. I don't think that's what happened. I think once they fired the defensive coordinator, when the season had already developed, then. He it didn't look. Wow, I need to consider Utah. No, it was they. They fired the defensive coordinator, well, coordinator, and then man, I better consider Utah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But to me, if I'm if I'm betting on two programs right now in the sure. direction oh, that they're yeah. going, no I'm betting that. on the youth. Right. And like, ironically, they'll play each other, so we'll get to see that. And in the end, who yeah. cares how you got the kid? It's like they got into the conference because Texas and Oklahoma said no. Who cares? They got in. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, you don't care how you get the kid. Right. But like, at the end of the day, I mean, there are so many coaches right now that are still warm recruiting. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion, and I, I have no insider information on this. I have no idea at all. But you have Andy Ludwig, who's at Vanderbilt, who's over there on the East Coast, who's recruiting quarterbacks and and talking to different kids. And there's a kid that plays at South Carolina who now wants to transfer. I have a feeling that somewhere along the line, there was some sort of interaction between Andy Ludwig and this kid, and that he still thought he was a great kid, regardless of the fact that he signed at South Carolina. 
And now they have a chance to get him. He probably went to Kyle and said, hey, dude. Yeah, like, get this kid. This is, the quarterback position is a tough position. It's not going to hurt us to have him in the program. Like, we should probably go after this kid. I know him. I watched him play. He's a big-time arm. He can do this. You don't care how you get him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You might not get him till a fifth-year senior transfer. But, you know, I remember specifically a player that, w- that had signed at USC out of the state of Utah and I was at a camp, and Matt Wells was like, hey, get over here. Come talk to me. And he comes running over. The kid's got all of his USC gear on. He's been down there for years. He's like, how you doing? How's your mom and dad doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, he gets done with that whole deal. And I'm like, hey, what was that all about? And he goes, hey, man, you never know. Right. Those local kids that go out of state and it doesn't work out, you want to make them feel like maybe they'll want to come back and land here. you know? And I was like, and that's. You know that's not that's not a bad idea, right? Because he he is a good football player. Hey, all and, these years later, I'm still trying to recruit my wife because you never know. <laughs> you you need to recruit her like <laughs> weekly. <laughs> you should have heard the stories. Yeah, you, you should have heard the stories from the Christmas party. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this. There better be handwritten letters every week to Jackie because <laughs> you need to make sure. You land that recruit and tell her what a great game she played this week. Make sure she knows because <laughs> it's condescending air hockey talk. He wanted a curb stomper in air hockey. You never know. Well, that was competition though. Once we, you know, once we get in the lovey dovey mode, you're a competitor. I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Riley, we got to run. We got. Uh, we got. Uh, we didn't get to the bowl games, but you know what? We've got. Uh, we still got time. We got more than a week to the Aggie game, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you. Awesome. Talk with you about that next week. Thanks, Riley. Thanks, you guys. Riley Jensen, our college football insider.